Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at... 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. Silence. I'm Greg. Welcome to my home here in the most beautiful city in the world, Houston, Texas. And I was just looking out. It's been a perfect day here. The weather was great. The sun just went down. I'm looking out. There's literally no traffic out there today in the medical center right now. Anyway, that's awesome. But just welcome to the program. We just want you to sit back and enjoy and relax. And I have a feeling you're going to hear a story tonight of uh, greatness, of tragedy and resilience and hope and come back and all of those things that make an awesome movie. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe there's a movie in the making here after the book comes out. You never know. But it's going to be a great a great time with our guests tonight. 888-627-6008. We'll get you straight to the wonderful people at BBS Radio Station. They will answer the phone with a radio voice, and then they will patch you right on in to our guests tonight. And uh, with me, if you have a comment or you have a thought or a question, we'd love to have you join and uh, to participate in the conversation this evening. And then my awesome youngest son uh, in Seattle, Washington, in the United States Army, although I think he's in Thailand right now uh, on a mission over there, but he's still working the uh, Shattered by the Darkness Facebook page. I'm looking at it right now, and he's got that live and going. So if you want to comment on that, you're welcome to. And then he will let me know if there's any comments uh, via text or uh, let me know through the radio station that, hey, somebody's asked a question, and we'll patch you on to that. So the next few weeks, you don't want to miss. we got some awesome, awesome, awesome guests besides the awesome one that we have this evening. I, I like the word awesome tonight. i tell you what. I always like to just open up the program with just some thoughts and maybe things. And usually it's about uh, 30 minutes before we go live. I'll sit down and just start jotting a thought down and uh, then just let – the bones start uh, collecting the muscles and the meat to put this all together. But, you know, it seems like we're in a society right now that everybody wants it now, if not yesterday. Um, entitlement is a key word here. Uh, modern advances have brought us things so rapidly that our patience is shot. Uh, when, Every kid on every team gets a certificate just for showing up. Good luck on telling them to work hard to enjoy the labor or the fruits of their labor later on. In a culture that keeps promoting quick and easy, greatness can be a risk. Now, let me repeat that. In a culture 
that promotes quick and easy. Greatness can be at risk. Example, you want to lose weight? Here's the secret. You're going to have to work hard, and it's going to take some time. Do you want to lose twice the weight? You're going to have to work twice as hard, and it's going to take almost twice the time. There's an effort, and you get the fruit of the labor if you put in the effort. Don't mistake the simplicity of things for easiness. It's easy to understand, but it's not easy to do. Things take time. And you have to have the patience to let things slow cook sometimes in your life. Now, now you know we talk about hurt, pain, trauma, abuse, trying to get through those things. So I think a lot of times we are so hard on ourselves that you, you saw a good seminar or you read an awesome book and you read it, put it down and go, okay, I ought to be better. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's going to take time, but it's also going to take effort to be able to work through that and power through that and be what you need to be. And it's worth that. Um, you got to get started right now and you got to start chipping away at it. There's leading into the camera. There's greatness in you. There's greatness in me. But you take real small, tiny steps to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. So this week, tonight, why not right now? Decide what you want. Focus on that. And then start taking small steps necessary to get there. And encourage those around you to do the same thing. The people who don't want you to succeed are simply projecting on you their own fears and inadequacies. Now, there's three major facts in life, and this would be worth writing down on a piece of paper. If you don't go after it and don't go after what you want, you're never going to get it. If you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. If you don't step forward, you're always going to be in the same place. George Bernard Shaw said one a quote that I just love. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. So start right now. And I got a feeling our guest is going to show us how to look at everything from a bird's eye view when the carpet has been pulled out from underneath you and how to rebuild it back to a life that now not only encourages her, but it encourages other people. Negativity that happens to her changed people positively in a way and impacted them that never would have done that if she hadn't gone through what she had gone through and worked through it with baby steps and then writing down what got her through it. Character sometimes seems like it could be manifested in those awesome and great moments, but it's made 
characters made in those small moments. Never forget that. This coming week, remember that every choice matters. Every day matters. Every moment matters. And it's never, never too late to start. So do that. That's my words of wisdom for the evening. Uh, I, I hope that, I, I, well, let's be honest. If you didn't need it, I did. Because every now and then I, I sit back on my uh, padded seat. And I'm not talking about the piano bench I'm sitting on right now. I'm talking about my own personal padded seat. I carry it around with me all the time. Uh, I sit back on that. I end up not doing something. It's like i got to do, and all it takes is a, a little small degree of a movement to make a huge change in my entire life. And it can do the same thing for you. 888-627-6008. If you want to just uh, comment or question on our awesome guest tonight, Sarah Hickner. What I love about the guest already is she's a believer, and she's a great, I, I love how she put this. She's a grateful recipient of Jesus' grace. Doesn't get any better than that right there. Born and raised in the great state of Mississippi, when she was 19 years old, she followed her dreams to gallop racehorses in Kentucky. And if you've ever been in those uh, plains in Kentucky and all that green grass and what, and seeing all those fields and the horses run, doesn't get any better than that. During those two years, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight, her world crashed, crumbled, and she had to figure out a way to piece it all back together. Now, which I love, she's putting all these down and these thoughts and these this story down to try to change, help change people's lives for a positive way. And now I'm not going to let you tell the story. I'm going to let her tell the story. Uh, so I just want to welcome I think from Virginia, if I'm not wrong, uh, Sarah Hickner. Can you hear me tonight, Sarah? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. There you are. Well, good. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I loved your words. I am a big Zig Ziglar fan. And so you're talking and I'm like, oh, but Zig says this. And I just wanted to like input. So thank you. I love that. Zig Ziglar. He's probably one of my, I remember being in his presence one time at a, at a seminar before he passed. And he, he used to actually teach Sunday school up, I believe, in Dallas area. And uh, went to a conference of his. And unbelievable. And one of the neat things was that it was a series of conf conferences. And then we'll get to you. I'm sorry. I love Zig. And I sat in the front row listening to the next, next speaker. I don't even know who it was. Zig came down and sat in the front row just a couple chairs down from me pulled out his notebook and took notes on everything the guy after him spoke about and was writing down as quick as, as he could. It was like he'd never stopped learning. And boy, in that, you can tell by the way he writes, which is unbelievable. That, that's yeah, awesome. that's incredible. Well, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I prayed over this. I, you're saying all these things. I'm like, I don't know if I can deliver, but you know, I've prayed and hopefully God can deliver through me. So, you know, what I want to do is I just want to, cause I don't know much of, about you. Um, I want the world to hear it from your side. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. And then I want to drill down into the story of what apparently uh, has changed your life. And I, I, we want to talk about that. So tell us a little bit about you, you and your family and where you're at and everything of that order right now. All right. Well, I am. So I'm Sarah Hickner. I live in Virginia outside of D.C. And I am a lifelong horse obsessed person. And so if you're watching video, you can see pictures of horses behind me. Uh, But I also am a mom. I have two small kids. I put them in bed early. I have no idea if they're actually asleep right now or if they're just like at the top of the basement stairs listening. Um, And then I also have a husband who's also in bed because he's been traveling a lot. Um, And so I just, you know, I'm in that that zone right now of having a young family and it's, it's a really special place and really also working to try to pursue these things that God's put on my heart. So about 15 years ago, God put it on my heart to write a book about when I was in Kentucky. And so as you, as you said in the intro, I had, I had dreamed of galloping racehorses in Kentucky since I was probably in junior high. And I went to a Christian high school and we had chapel twice a week. And I remember one of my speakers, I don't remember what he said, but whatever he said, I remember walking out of the gym thinking, you know what, I'm going to do this. Like, this isn't just going to be a dream. I'm actually going to chase this dream. I'm going to, I'm going to gallop racehorses while I'm in college. And so it was harder to get there, which the book talks about um, than I thought it would be. But then I got there and I really, you know, the whole process was prayed over, but I got there and it just all fell apart. I mean, I had this horrible accident. My horse disappeared. And um, and then at the end of the two years, I get married. I moved to Virginia and I'm in church and I hear God say, write it down. And I just remember being like, ah. Uh, wait, no, that wasn't God. That was just a thought. I know. <laughs> and then it just, every time I was in worship service, I would hear it again, write it down, write the story, write it down. And finally, I would just start making excuses. God, I am not a writer. Who are you talking to? I am so busy. I have my own business. I'm still riding and training horses. I don't have time for this. And he, God just kept being consistently saying, write it down. And so I started, um, I mean, years ago, writing it down. But, you know, then I had small, I had kids and I would pick it up for a couple weeks a year and then, and write, you know, get really excited for a couple weeks and then put it down. And that's kind of been my personality. You know, I pick things up, I put them down. Um, in 2020, before everything fell apart, I said, this is the year I'm going to follow through. I just really felt like my kids were getting a little older and it was, time to follow through on this calling that God had put on my life to write the story. And so I said, this is the year I'm going to stop talking about it and be about it. It's just really funny now because we all know what happened in 2020. I was suddenly a uh, a mom of two homeschool kids, basically. One of them in kindergarten, I spent all day running from computer to computer, just like fixing meltdowns. And but I just threw it all, you know, I, I would say God really, I, I persisted. And I said, I'm going to keep following through. And I remember being so busy that I wanted to cry. I did cry, (laughs) but also realizing that in that moment, it was the first time I truly learned to rely on God. 
I was stretched so thin that I had to rely on God. Um, And so through that, I started writing and I've spent three years learning to write, um, learning to bring a story to life because I'm an avid reader and I'm really picky and I wanted to create a story that someone couldn't put down. And um, so I'm learning how to write, but I also get into the story and like halfway in, I'm like, God, I don't even know what to write next. And so then it became a chapter by chapter prayer of like, okay, God, I wrote this chapter. Now what chapter comes next? And, and God gave me, it was incredible. It was like manna, you know, it was, he didn't give me three chapters out. He gave me the next chapter. And so I got to the end and I just remember looking at it and being like, I, like, I couldn't talk for weeks. I'm a talker. I'm talking to you on a radio show. I've never had a problem talking, but for two, for weeks, I couldn't even talk about it. I didn't know what to say because I couldn't believe the story that God had created through me. And like, yes, I lived it, but then to kind of step back and see it on paper was incredible. And, um, and then it's even progressed since then, because I realized again, God spoke to me in church one day, uh, and I might cry. I still, you know, it's a story that happened 15 years, 15, almost 20 years ago. And I'll still cry about it sometimes. Um, I was in church and I, my, you know, your mind drifts sometimes. And I was like trying so hard to focus on the prayer, but my mind was drifting to the day I said goodbye to my horse, Gideon, who is, who the story is about. You can see him on the video. And, um, and so I was thinking about that day. And then I started thinking about the day, the week that I got him. And I remember, so when, when he died, I felt like there was a lot of unfinished business, unanswered prayers. And I had just said, you know what? God doesn't answer everything. You know, there's some prayers that we just never hear back on and that's fine. And so that's what I kind of thought. And then, but I was thinking back to the first week I got him, I had prayed and I had said, God, I was in ninth grade, God, use me and Gideon for your glory. Use us to draw your people closer to you. And so I prayed that in ninth grade. And honestly, I thought it would come from like the two of us being world champion barrel racers or something. And I, you know, and like being on TV and wow, look at Sarah and Gideon. They're so amazing. And um, I buried Gideon and we never became world champion barrel racers. And 10 years later, I finished the book and I'm sitting in church and God said, this is the answer to your prayer. And I just... Like, I still can barely believe it because I can see now how he's like a a prayer that it took, like he spent 20 years. He's used all these horrible, hard moments to, to create an answer to a prayer that I prayed when I was in ninth grade. It's just the most amazing thing. So anyway, I feel like I got off topic there. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> this is exactly okay. what I, I like like a, a guest to do is just start pouring it out. Okay, so yeah. I, I'm amazed sometimes that our version of the answers to the prayers that we ask for are sometimes not even close right. to the version of what he has. And even though it's painful, it's going to be far greater because the impact, Oh, oh this, Oh, this is going to make me cry because the impact goes from, the praise and the applause 
that would have gone to you and Gideon for being awesome barrel racers, everybody being applauding you in the stands and you begin the ribbons. But now the applause goes to who? The Lord. Yeah, because yeah. he got you through the, the trauma and the tragedy. And I'm not saying sometimes that applause isn't great for all of us and it's great to have. But he says, hey, wait, you wanted it to glorify me and it's going to happen. I, I love that. Uh, wonderful. So the, the title of the book is Finding Gideon. Yes. Okay, is there a subtitle to it? Um, I have to think the subtitle is new. Um, it's Finding Gideon, A Broken Dream, A Missing Horse, and the Faith of a Mustard Seed. Oh, that's good. Right? That'll get people to pick it up. Yes, that's what, I mean, even when I say it, I get chills. Um, and when I named Gideon, I named him after Gideon in the Bible. And so part of kind of the underlying theme of the story is, you know, we're finding Gideon. He's, my horse Gideon has disappeared, but also finding the Gideon within yourself. And, you know, Gideon in the Bible was the weakest member of the weakest family of the weakest clan. And God took him and used him to save his people. And so I just think a lot of times we really underestimate, like, you know, we don't feel like we're good enough and probably we're not, but with God, we are, you know? And so it wasn't just Gideon, it was Gideon plus God. And so um, that's, you know, I, I hope that people see that through the book, that they can see that it's not just, um, this is like, I'm going on a tangent here, but I get fed up sometimes with the self-improvement world and everyone's like, I am enough. And we say all these affirmations, I am enough. The truth is we'll never be enough and it's okay because God is, it's not just me. That's enough. It's me plus God. And so I hope people see that through the book. And really, I think God has a message. I don't even understand that's going to come through the book for people. Um, but I hope that people see that. Well, I love that because, hey, talk about the weakest of all people and the, the one vessel that shouldn't be even considered to be used as me. Uh, and God's doing things with me, even though I am useless, worthless. But like you said, with Jesus, uh, him plus me is the majority. And we have the power to be more than conquerors. Anything that we, yeah. we can do. Yeah. So tell me, you keep saying that you, you, you lost Gideon, you, you know, Tell me a little bit about the story. Um, and you don't have to let all the, the cats out of the bag of the book because I want when the book comes out, I want to make sure we let the world know when it's going to come out. Do you have a, a, a publication date yet? It's coming out the last week of April. Oh, is, good. Yes, that's what we're aiming for. I will say, so my goal is for it to be out for the Triple Crown, for the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Um, Derby Day has always been a holiday for me. And so I really am I'm planning a book launch party, um, but I am, I'm doing a Kickstarter right now to raise the funds for the editing and the cover design. So that's kind of the one thing is we've got to get the Kickstarter funded so that I can pay a cover designer and an editor and then it's done. So, and I okay. have people lined up. Okay. So what, what you're doing is you're, you're not going the publisher route. You're doing a uh, self-publishing uh, indie yes. writer, which right now, is the way everybody's doing it, except yeah. if you're a Joel Osteen, Osteen or a 
Oprah Winfrey or a prince in England that's going to talk bad about your family. Uh, they'll get <laughs> publishers, but <laughs> us, us common folk, it's better to go self-publish and you get to control your own words. Yeah. Uh, so if somebody wanted, is that Kickstarter kicked off yet? It is. It's kicked off. So if you go to kickstarter.com or the Kickstarter app, all you have to do is search finding Gideon oh. and it'll come up. Super easy to find. And we're just barely over halfway, but it ends in February. So I'm like, I mean, it oh. ends at the end of the month. So, so you just have a few days left. There's yeah, 19. Nine days. Hey, everybody, awesome. if you're listening right now, at least consider at least consider go on that Kickstarter uh, and type in Finding Gideon and just think about it, pray about it, uh, help get the story out. Because uh, you can tell right now that, that Sarah is a believer and uh, has the heart to not take this money and run, but take this money to apply it to a message that's going to help change people's lives. So, so do that right now, if you would. That's awesome. Thank um, you. Yeah, I just really, you know, I have friends that crank out books and you know, they get a cover for 30 bucks or whatever, but I, I want to set this book up as excellently as possible so that God can run. You know, I don't want, it's not going to be surprised when you see it on the table in Barnes and Noble when you walk in, like that's, I want it to be excellently done. And yeah. um, so God can run with it, you know, and easily put well, it. The picture that you gave me for the promotional poster and the one that's right behind me, I believe is the same one. Uh, right now in your little uh, studio, I that is awesome. That would be an awesome cover, but I won't try to motivate. I that told thing. my cover designer, I was like, "Could you please do something with this?" Yes, I, like, this is it. This is because this. when you look in, in your eyes and the horse's eyes, that horse is phenomenal uh, and beautiful. There's nothing like the power and the the presence of a horse, and it, yeah. you can fall in love really quick. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, really can. quick. Tell you what, we're going to take a first commercial break. 888-627-6008. During this minute and a half, that gives everybody a chance to type into their phone Kickstarter and look up Fighting Gideon and see what it's all about and uh, jump in on that. And we'll be invited to uh, maybe the, the book kickoff uh, if you if you uh, help uh, fund it. Yeah. We'll come up with something. But we'll be right back after this commercial break and hang with us. Uh, 888-627-6008. We'd love to have your questions and comments. We'll be right back. From HCI Publishing, that brought you the international bestsellers, A Child Called It!, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series comes the latest book by Dr. Gregory Williams, Shattered by the Darkness. This book describes the horrific abuse that Dr. Williams suffered at the hands of his father for over 12 years and the damaging effect of keeping everything silent about that abuse for 30 years. If you're looking for that book that you can't put down, then pick up a copy of Shattered by the Darkness by Dr. Gregory Williams at all Barnes & Noble stores, Amazon, and Books A Million. Now, back to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams.
Welcome back. We're with our guest, Sarah Hickner, and she is an author of a book called Finding Gideon. That sounds pretty good, don't it? Does it give you goosebumps? The author, Sarah Hickner. Uh, and she is from uh, just right outside our country's capital in Virginia, up by Washington, D.C. It's just great. Um, Finding Gideon. So when you mention in your little uh, bio that you sent, sent me for the promotional stuff for the poster, Number one, I'm getting a lot of lot of texts. People are interested in you're touching some people's hearts, uh, which is awesome. What um what came crashing down? How did that just happen? Your so, world apart. Tell me, tell me a little bit about the story without letting everything out because we want people to buy the book. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you all the beginning. And then okay, you have to okay. buy the yeah. book. The rest will be secret. Okay. Um, so I I moved up. So I First of all, I I have a wonderful family in Mississippi. Um, it wasn't like I wanted to get away from them or anything. And I, but I also had a lot of scholarship. I was awarded a ton of scholarship in Mississippi, and I had tried really hard to get scholarship in Kentucky, and it just was not happening. And so I had to leave all of that, all that scholarship money, to transfer to the U of L to pay to go to school. Um, because I wanted to chase this dream. So that was a really big deal in my world. And then I get up there and I started galloping. I had found a trainer who said he would teach me to gallop because I have been riding horses for since I was about 12. So I was pretty skilled as a rider for my age. Um, but galloping horses is a whole on the track is a whole different world. And so um, he said he would teach me how to gallop. And so I started I'd been out there about a week and a half and I had been doing really well. Um, the trainers, he told me trainers were talking about me. They were saying they couldn't believe how good I was. They couldn't believe I had only been there a week and a half. And I was really proud. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> I was like, gosh, I'm so good. I can't believe I did this. And it's just really crazy how quickly we can get, you know, on our high horse. And so Good, good analogy there. Right? <laughs> and so I had I had been there a week and a half, like I said. It had been going really well. And then I was on a horse named, we called him Red. And, you know, I remember praying. God, every, at the beginning of every ride, I would pray, God, take care of me. I, you know, I'd say, God, take care of me. And then I, um, we started our gallop. And within seconds, he just he like disappeared from underneath me. And then it turns out we're in the middle of what in the horse world, they call it a rotational fall where basically the horse somersaulted with me. Um, and so, you know, he rolled on top of me. He kicked me in the face on accident as he's flailing. And so um, I, you know, I'm laid out on the track. Uh, I happened to have a friend from Mississippi in town and so he followed the ambulance, got me into the hospital, and then he left. And so I'm I'm in a new city. I mean, I, I had been there two weeks. I knew my roommate that I met online, my advisor, my academic advisor at school, and the trainer that I worked for. And that was the people that I knew. And so I'm in the emergency room all day. Um God really, I would say he really protected me. Most of the damage was complete vanity. My teeth were, were ruined. Like uh, they were broken. One was pushed up. I don't even talk about this in the book. One was pushed up into my face. 
Like you couldn't see it. It was as if it was a baby. It was coming in again. Um, and so I could, every time I smiled, I could feel the root digging around in my cheek. Uh, my, I had one pointing towards the inside of my mouth. Um, I mean, it was just, it was horrendous. And, and I, and so I'm really like, I'm dealing with this. My body hurts, you know, even though I didn't break anything, just whenever you have a really hard fall, you know, you hurt for a while. Um, and so I'm dealing with this and just kind of, I'm dealing. And I, I, I remember one of the big things I didn't want to go home. I was so worried my parents were going to come get me because they're wonderful parents and what parents wouldn't come get their kid. Like, I still can't believe they didn't make me come home. Um, and so I was just so afraid they were going to come get me and take me home because I had worked so hard to get there. And, um, and so I'm, I'm dealing and I'm trying to heal. And about a, a week or two after, I guess it was two weeks after that accident, when I start thinking, okay, I'm going to survive. Like, this is going to be fine. I'll recover. Um, my horse, I had taken my horse Gideon, who's, um, right behind me. He was the love of my life. And I had brought him with me when I moved to Kentucky and he disappeared. And so disappeared. disappeared. Well, so for the first 24 hours, I just thought, I thought he got loose. I, I thought that someone had tried to move him or someone wrote, tried to ride him who wasn't supposed to. And he ran off and was like in someone's yard somewhere. I mean, I, I went door to door, um, saying, hello, you know, hi, my horse is missing. Have you seen a horse? Cause where he was living was in an equestrian neighborhood. And so there are a lot of, you know, horse people. And I, I went door and my face is like messed up. My lip was huge. It hurt to talk. And, you know, I had to like look at people in the face and say, have you seen my horse? And um, I went to every door in the neighborhood and no one had seen him. And I just I went to bed that night. And and when I woke up the next morning, I knew he had been stolen. And because I just I thought, like, there's no way who steals horses. Why would anyone steal my horse? And um, it, he had been stolen. And so then I had to, you know, with my very limited network in the area and just, it's pure, you know, it was really overwhelming to think about. And I could just had to take it a day at a time and pray over it. Cause you, you know, I thought like the bluegrass state is huge. Like he could be anywhere in a field anywhere, or he could have ended up at a slaughter sale. There was a, the day he disappeared, there was a slaughter sale within five miles of the farm he disappeared from. And so he could have just as easily ended up at a slaughter sale and then been on the uh, truck to Mexico. Like there are so many things that could have happened. And so I, I just had to keep pushing through and praying and trusting God. And when, um, when I was in high school, he had an accident and broke his leg and I, my horse had an accident, broke his leg. And I thought that I was going to lose him. And I, God had given me this vision of us, of me being older and having kids and Gideon being in my backyard. And that was kind of the vision that I held on to, to know that it's going to be fine. Like that vision can't happen if Gideon dies from a broken leg. So then when he was missing, I clung to that. I was like, that vision can't happen if Gideon goes to Mexico on a slaughter truck 
or if he is lost in the bluegrass state somewhere. And so I just clung to that. And so the, so the book is, it's partially, you know, finding Gideon, but then there's also the aspect of, um, a lot of it is about dreaming because I had this dream of galloping racehorses and after the accident, you know, it was really hard to want to get back on a racehorse, but I had given up everything to chase that dream. And, and so I was like, I, I still wanted it. It's still, I could still feel it in my bones, but it also made me want to throw up. <laughs> like the mere idea made me want to throw up. Like I, like that's scary. What that is dumb. Why would I do that? But I wanted it more than anything else. And so, you know, as that is trying to figure out um, what next and how do I do this? And by the way, racehorses, you know, everyone says you can't be afraid around a horse. You can be afraid around a horse, but you can't be afraid around a three-year-old thoroughbred who lives in a stall all day and is fed high energy feed. And the only time he gets to get out of his stall is when you're on his back taking him around an oval. Um, you've got to be confident at that point. So, yeah. yeah, so that was kind of, that's really the gist of the story. Okay, so in the story with this finding Gideon and, and he, he was missing, when um, when did you discover in the story that you found yourself? Where in the process did it become a reality of, hey, wait, this is a life learning lesson um, for a search for me too, uh, what life's all about? How did all of that process uh with what you were going through. So funny enough, it happened in the Ruby Tuesdays parking lot. <laughs> Ruby Tuesdays parking lot. Well, that's a good evening. Ruby anyway. Tuesdays okay. parking lot. <laughs> I remember being in my car and just that was when I I had to give the dream to God. And that was when I really learned. I would say I, this is the first time I learned. Sometimes we have to relearn things a few times, but that was the first time I really learned the, you know, I am all about hustling and going hard for a dream and a goal. I do not believe, you know, it's like you don't become a doctor by sitting on your butt through medical school. Like it requires, you know, God calls you to be a doctor. You have to work hard in medical school. And so I believe in working hard and pushing hard through dream for dreams. But I also realize that sometimes I just kind of keep slamming my head into a wall when God says, give it to me. And so I had to learn to, to lift up my dreams and give them to God. Um, and so it happened in a Ruby Tuesdays parking lot when I said, okay, God, this is, like, this is yours. I'm giving it to you. And then it was pretty incredible what happened after that. But you'll have to get the book. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. What after well, that. okay. Okay. Let's put it this way. Let me see if I can hang with me, listeners. I'm going to try to pull it out of it. Um, <laughs> so, so tell me life lessons that you learned from this experience that uh, can encourage I... us that, hey, uh, I'm having the very worst, terrible, awful day. You know, that, that book that has all those adjectives at the beginning of it. Uh, what, what did you learn from this that we all can apply 
that when tragedy hits, how do I get through it? Okay, I have a couple things that I want to share, but the first one, when tragedy hits, you know what I, I remember there was a lot of questioning God, a lot of like, how am I being punished is, I know, like I am told that God is love and I am told that I can trust you and depend on you, but right now it doesn't really feel that way. And, um, I learned to, you know, really cling to the truth of God's word. And so one of like my key verse for this whole era of my life is, um, and now it's like the, but God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I said, I know I'm called according to your purpose and I know I love you. And so I know God is going to work this for good. And so that was one of the things, but then another one, and this is something I think I, I almost wish I could talk about it more in the book, but the value, the importance of praising God, even when everything is falling apart. And that was a big moment for me of understanding, you know, I, I tried to cling to God, but I wasn't necessarily praising God because I was thinking, what is there to praise God for? Everything is falling apart. And, uh, in the first time that I just really, um, I was, I can't say the words because then you'll have to pay the publisher of the song. But uh, I was singing a song and it was talking about, you know, things are, I'm going to praise you and things are good. And when everything's wonderful and I love my life, I'm going to praise you. And I'm singing and I was like, yes, God, I praise you when that happens. And then the next verse was, I'm going to praise you when everything's falling apart. And I feel like I'm in the desert. And, and suddenly I was just sobbing and saying, okay, I get it. I get it. And a lot of the time I felt very, I felt a lot like Job. I kept remembering Job during this because it just seemed like, you know, thing after thing would happen. And when I went back and read Job, I saw where Job praised God, even when he on his pile of rubble. And so that is the biggest thing I think is just making sure that we praise God, even when things are falling apart and trust in the truth that he will work it for good, even when it doesn't feel like it and it seems impossible in the moment. Well, I think even the book of Lamentations is all about uh, lamenting to God. Hey, I, I, he can handle our questions. He can handle yes. our, hey, God, what what's going on? Uh, so when I, when I get frustrated and, and upset that life just wasn't what I ordered, um, a lot of times, it's just not the way I, you know, I always uh, use the illustration of I, I have my life all on the sheet and I just lift it up and say, hey, God, will you sign off on it and hand it back? And God's saying, hey, wait, won't you reach up and grab the, the plan that I have for you? It's already signed and it's designed for you and your dreams will be ever bigger than what your life is, what if it goes according to your plan. And I think sometimes it just doesn't happen the way we want it. Um, yeah, yeah. so what after reading the book when it comes out and let me sure you let us know when it comes out so I can tell everybody to go by um, <laughs> what am I going to get from it what can I apply to my life or is it just going to be a 
a, a story to get all the details in there about horse racing and, and galloping in Kentucky and what, what am I going to be able to take home with me and apply to my life? Okay, let, let's look, let's reword the question. What are you hoping the impact is going to make on people when after they close your book and they've read the last word? What's your dream there? My dream, and I've had this dream since ninth grade before I knew this book would be a thing, is that believers would be drawn closer to the Lord through reading this book, that they will hunger for Jesus and that they will come closer to him and that people who don't know Jesus will come to trust in him because of this story, that they will, that they'll see a God, that they'll understand that God is good, even when it doesn't feel like it. Because I think our culture, so I feel like a lot of people have decided they don't trust God because they look at how hard things are or the bad things that have happened. And they've said, but how could a good and loving God let this happen? And I hope that they see that God is good, even when things are hard and that God loves them and is for them, even when it's hard. I just pray that it draws believers to God and it draws non-believers to believe. I'm going to tell you, God's confirming the words that I said at the beginning before we ever talk, started talking about your story, that sometimes it's hard work to get where God wants you to be. Uh, it's not a quick fix. And faith, endurance, resiliency. What is the the one of the biggest one or two life lessons that you've learned from the history of this story and then from trying to put it on paper because when you start writing a book you learn your own life lessons there what about some of the things that you've learned that uh like wow um that really hit home to me what what would those be for our listeners tonight i the first one would be I never, you know, you hear stories about God answering prayers after decades of being prayed. And I never thought that would, that would be a, I couldn't relate. I just thought maybe because I was young, I don't know, but I just thought that's not going to be my story. And it is incredible. And it has made me, it's opened my eyes a lot more to Staying faithful and trusting and hoping, um, you know, when you're praying for someone's salvation, I have friends who are praying for their spouses to, to trust in the Lord. And, you know, you hear people that are praying for 10 years, 20 years for something to trust. And after seeing how God answered a prayer 20 years later, it's just made me, my faith is so much bigger. I'm like, anything, God can do anything. He's answering a prayer that I prayed about myself and a horse. And the horse has been dead for 10 years. God doesn't even need the horse around anymore to answer the prayer that I thought needed the horse around to be answered. I mean, it just shows how incredible God is. Um, another thing that I have learned, as, as I mentioned before, I am a... Uh, I would say I'm a passionate person who just kind of picks things up for a little while and puts them down. I don't always like, I've never been super self-disciplined. I've had a sales career for <laughs> over 10 years. And I would say the thing that's kept me from moving to the highest levels is because my consistency isn't always there. And I just 
thought that, I mean, that's just who I am and that's totally fine, whatever. But you know, when God has something for you, he can do a work in you. And so when I say I am not enough, but me plus Jesus is, I mean, I cannot believe that I have worked diligently almost every day for three years on this book. That is not (laughs) my personality. That is not my work style. I have always been a sprinter, not a marathoner. And this is like the most ultra marathon of my life. And I can't like, I can only attribute it to God because I I am a sprinter and uh, he just held my hand and drug me through a marathon. So that has been really cool. And then another thing is uh, I, I, I love people. I mean, that is one thing, you know, I, I do love people, but writing this story has given me such perspective and it has been so cool. And I encourage everyone to write, even if they never want to publish, write their stories, um, whether you're journaling it or whatever. But I have such a different perspective. There are people in my life that I remember being frustrated by them when I was living my life. And now as I go back and write, I see the kindness that people did for me that I just didn't realize when I was living it. Like you just, I have such a greater appreciation for people in my life now because I went back and wrote the story and I just see the gift that they were. Even the person who stole my horse, like I'm not even mad. I am like, thank you. Thank you. Because if it wasn't for you, like this wouldn't have happened. And I wouldn't have this opportunity to write this book and share about the Lord with people. And so I just it's been really cool to it's given me perspective on life. Oh. I think everyone needs to write a book, even if you don't want to share it, just so you can get better perspective. Well, I'm, I'm a believer. Everybody's got one good book in them. One good yeah. masterpiece, one good bestseller. I really, really, really believe that. So you're a journaler. Did you journal all through high school and in the college days? Do you like to write down stuff, your thoughts, emotions, feelings? Well, as I mentioned, I'm inconsistent. And so okay. I have a bunch of beautiful journals that have like eight pages written in them. Um, but I would say luckily, but I, I, again, I think it was a God thing. I was digging through my old journals and found I had journaled from like the day I got to Kentucky or the, it was, I'd started three days before I left, I think. So I have journal entries from three days before I left for Kentucky until the day I found Gideon and it's all chronicled. So you're already so, how this is how you wrote your book. Yes. And I, well, I had already written it and then I went, I found those and I was able to go back and like bring things. I was able to correct stuff, bring it more to life. I had clarity on timeline because when I was going through it, like looking back, I thought things happened in different order. And um, anyway, that was really cool to be able to see and to just feel again, Um, But I do believe in writing stuff down. I have a journal that I made for kids and for people who want to learn how to write better. Um, So I'm a believer in it, but I'm not always consistent. I hear you. I'll tell you what, um, I, I can't, I can't thank you enough for being on the program tonight. If, 
people want to find out more about you, uh, let, let's get out all the details of how they can contact you, how they can find out more about you. you have a Facebook page or a LinkedIn page, or where would you like people to find out more if they have questions, comments, and the Kickstarter? Tell us all about that right, right. now. So I have a website and it is liveridelearn.com. Um, I made it myself. <laughs> so don't judge it too critically. That's right. Um, but it is liveridelearn.com. I am at liveridelearn on Instagram. And then everywhere else, I'm Sarah Hickner. And there is not very many Sarah Hickners in the world. So you can find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, although I don't use it very often. I have oh. a Twitter account that I don't use very often. Um, but yeah, I would mostly I'm active on Instagram at liveridelearn and my website, liveridelearn.com. And I also have a podcast, liveridelearn where I can, I have the brand all together. Um, I have a podcast, Live Where I Learn, and I've actually read the first four chapters of Finding Gideon on the podcast. So if you want oh. a sneak peek, you can hop on and, and hear the first four chapters. Fantastic. Well, Sarah, it was great being uh, having you with us tonight and uh, getting to hear your story. Please let us know uh, when it comes out. And if you people, folks, if you want to get involved with the Kickstarter program, you're Finding Gideon on Kickstarter and uh, help her get across. Uh, she's out of the gate, but she's in that last quarter mile getting ready to, to hit the yeah. final lap. So, so help her out. And uh, let's see if we get this thing done in the month of February. Thank you, Sarah, for Thank being with you. us. Thanks and so much for kids, having me. I'm, I'm so glad the kids, they, they could, I was hoping they would photobomb you tonight. Uh, <laughs> tell your husband and your children, thank you for allowing us to, to borrow mama for tonight. I will. I'll let okay. them know. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Sarah Hickner, Finding Gideon. She is the author of that book, and I can't wait till that comes out. That's going to be one of my purchases when it does, and uh, get on the Kickstarter program. Like we do every time, uh, every night at this time, we try to shut the program down. I always have just a minute to be able to say, hey, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what tragedy, no matter what loss that you've experienced, no matter what trauma you're going through right now, somewhere in the middle of all of that storm, just stop, take a breath, and look through all the stuff. And I promise you, you'll see Jesus in it. He's already on top of the waves taking care of it for you. He's got it conquered for you. Don't take your eyes off him. He will be your anchor. And as we say every week, let me just remind you, there's always, always, always hope. Join us right here next week for another edition of Breaking the Silence. Have an awesome week. Enjoy your day off if you get a day off tomorrow with President's Day. And God bless you. And be with us again next week. We'll see you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence.